Hello, Catherine here. If you're listening to my podcast because you're a fan of wintering, the good news is that my new book, Enchantment, is available now. It's a book about how we can find a way to reconnect with a world that's sometimes hard to live in and even to find magic there. It's available in all good bookshops and please support your local indie if you can. For more information, you can go to katherine-may.com forward slash enchantment. Happy reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Catherine May author of Wintering and Enchantment, and this is How We Live Now, a podcast that looks for pathways through this post-everything world. Each season, we ask a range of wise people a common question and roam around in the breadth and depth of our knowing. How We Live Now is made possible by my brilliant community at Substack. For newsletters, book clubs, live hangouts and ad-free episodes of this podcast, go to katherinemay.substack.com. Hi, I'm Catherine May. Welcome to How We Live Now. And here it's a beautiful late spring morning, maybe even early summer, who knows. And I'm walking along a ridgeway quite near my house about 20 minutes drive in a wood called Conduit Wood anyway I hope you're all well ouch just walked through a holly bush we'll style that out and pretend it didn't happen it seems like this year has been an intense year a lot of people experiencing burnout Still the long effects of those first phases of the pandemic playing through and still the pandemic really present with us in so many different ways. And I think 
we're all going to need all our coping strategies over the next few years and to really give ourselves permission to do things like take a walk to release that stress a little I wonder what it is about walking that helps it's a great mind clearer I wonder how much the rhythm helps that solid pounding of your feet on the ground and the feedback that gives to your body so I'll be resting today but it's a great moment to talk about my guest for this week's podcast Morgan Harper Nichols who is I don't know maybe you follow her on Instagram where she posts amazing (laughs) pictures with kind of like really thoughtful slogans Her feed is a riot of colour and just such a soothing place to be. I got to talk to her about that. But her books are like that too. They're just full of amazing kind of juicy colour and texture. And there's something very healing to kind of bathe in them. We talk a bit about her latest one. You were only just beginning in the interview. But also, we end up talking quite a lot about being two late-diagnosed autistic women. And I I didn't really mean to talk about that in this interview. I mean, I wasn't going to not acknowledge it, obviously. But as soon as I started talking to Morgan, my interview plan flew out of the window (laughs) and we just started chatting. I love interviews like that. I hope you do too. You have to have a listen and tell me what you think. But yeah, I think uh, for me, running... A podcast is so pleasurable because I get to connect with wonderful people like Morgan, who otherwise, you know, I wouldn't really be able to find a reason to to just chat for an hour. It would be weird to message her and go, hey, can we just talk? I mean, maybe she'd have said yes. I like to think she would have done. But, yeah. So... I hope the conversation is as joyous and soothing to you as it was for me. And I hope it inspires you to make work in whatever way you choose, whatever way you're drawn to. Because that was one thing that came out for me very strongly for the conversation about all the different ways that Morgan expresses her creativity by music, by drawing, by writing, by talking on a podcast. (laughs) And it made me think that I can expand out a little more too. 
After years of very intense focus on my writing, I think I need to spread my wings a bit. I'll be back after the podcast. See you soon. Morgan, welcome to How We Live Now. I'm thrilled to talk to you. Uh, How are you today? I am doing pretty good considering the circumstances. So I've decided to go back to school and I actually have some papers due in two days. So (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, this is, it is a delight to chat with you because my, I have been, (laughs) I have really, I've been really deep in art studies and I love it. I love Mm. it, but it's, it's nice to take a little bit of a break. So I'm honored to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. What led you to do that? Because I mean, you're really successful in the artistic sphere. Yeah. What drew you back into education at this stage? Yes. So a lot of it has to do with Before I knew I was autistic, a lot of Mm. this had to do with the fact that art is really a special interest of mine. And I was able to hyper fixate and focus on making digital art on my iPad because I just loved it so much. And Mm. it was a relatively, this might sound strange to say it this way, but it was (laughs) relatively inexpensive thing to get really fixated on because in contrast to art where you're buying acrylic paints and canvases. Mm. An iPad, you buy it one time. An Apple Pencil, you buy it one time. So yeah. I was very happy yeah. about how I could just go all in on it. And it became a way for me to just cope with existing. And it just so happened to be something that could be shared on Instagram and Pinterest. So I, I ended up in the scenario <laughs> where by the time it did turn into something so much bigger, which just... Thank you to everyone who's ever shared my work, because I think that is a huge part of it. And it just turned into something where it was like, oh, the the actual, such as traveling and being a speaker for all that kind of, I was like, I can't, I don't know if Mm. I can do all of that. I need to find another way that I can really go deeper into this practice that doesn't involve me to do the whole social aspect of it all the time, because I can do it somewhat, but not to the degree that other people can. So going to school was a way for me to say, here's how I can continue to do what I love and grow, but on my own terms and not Mm. constantly worried about, okay, how many speaking engagements do I need to do? Or how many, (laughs) you know, it's, there's so many things that I, that I now feel more comfortable saying no to, even from like an income standpoint, because I'm like, I'm working toward being able to do lectures over Zoom (laughs) on these topics. So, so that's, that is, that is a huge part of what informed it. I was like, I, I I love what I do and I'm very grateful that it it became a job, but I do want to keep finding ways that it can become a version of it that's more aligned with my capacity. And how long have you known you're autistic now? Because that I feel like what you're going through is a phase that seems really common amongst mm. late diagnosed autistics yes. that we gradually begin to like mm-hmm. figure out how to make life sustainable rather than to, to carry on as we were before. Yes. So I was diagnosed, started the process with a specialist at 30, diagnosed at mm-hmm. 31 
and now I'm 33. And <sighs> so fresh. Yeah, yeah. I will say yeah. credit to the specialist that I work with. She was so serious about telling me, you've got to slow down. You're doing way too oh, wow. much. There's too much yeah. on your plate. What can you do to take some stuff off your plate? Like that was like, even before I mm. received the actual diagnosis, that was <laughs> when I would just start talking about my life. <laughs> she was just yeah. like, hold on, hold on. What do we have to do so that you can do less? Because this is too much. This is too much. Like she was like, you're not going to be able to sustain that. So I will say that was a huge credit to me realizing how serious I needed to take it and yeah. recognize that even though there, because I started sharing and doing a lot of the the artwork and poetry that I do now in 2017. So I've been doing it for mm-hmm. a few years now. And she was just like, yeah, even that though, like that's a long time. So just can, <laughs> and I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I was wondering too, I was so glad that my, my specialist wasn't on social media because explaining all this to somebody who doesn't use it, it's just... What? <laughs> Why? Why are you doing all of this? <laughs> so, yeah, and I don't yeah. think we realise because we've been kind of drawn into it. Mm-hmm. But I, it's something that so many autistic people have in common that we, on one hand, like we're drawn to work so hard mm-hmm. on the things we love and we can't stop. And there's that sense of complete fascination and entanglement with the yes. thing we're interested in. But there's also that other element that I think like we maybe find it hard to... Uh, like measure ourselves against other people effectively. So we always think we're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And actually we're we're often doing way more than other people. Like like me, when I'm taking it easy, is a sensible person, (laughs) like working really hard quite often. I I find it very hard to stop. Yes, it is very Mm -hmm. hard to stop. And I don't know if I've figured out how to catch myself in it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, I've know gotten there or if you ever do get there because I don't know because yeah. I'm in I'm in school now and I'm starting to sense that a different version of that might be happening. But yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, but but it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to like catch myself in it. And yeah. I think there is some degree of, you know, just maybe context that, you know, maybe one grew up in or something like that. And I grew up here in this particular part of the U.S. and I grew up in the South and I, I grew mm-hmm. up in a community where I saw a lot, where a lot of, I think people would know this outside of the U.S., a lot of civil rights leaders such as Martin Luther King, right. John Lewis, had a prominent presence here. And there are a lot of historically Black colleges and universities here where I grew up. And I mentioned that mm-hmm. because I was surrounded by a lot of other Black people who are doing great things. And I took from that as as a little girl, okay, I may not be able to be in those spheres, but what do I have to do to contribute in my way, in a way that's successful, in a way that that matters? Because I struggled so much socially, which I didn't know why back then, but I knew that I struggled with that. So I was like, I yeah. got to find something. Maybe it's in these books. <laughs> so I've got to be good yeah. at something. Yeah. I'm like, maybe it's in the books. Yeah. Maybe it's in the art. That's that's where I'll find my way. And in many ways, yeah. my my story is a lot of that, of finding my way into some group of books or some art form <laughs> and trying to like <laughs> find my little way in it. And yeah, and, I, and I've been thinking about that with school because there's been a few times where 
I've taken on more than I should. For instance, I took two classes when I could have taken one because you can take one at a time. (laughs) But I was like, but you can take two at a time. So I'm going to take two at a time (laughs) because I really want to talk about both of these things. And I really want to get into both. And I think I'm going to need both of them. Like, this is all relevant information. Like, I can't do the whole, like, stacking it in my brain. Like, oh, I'll get to that later. I'm like, but I'm reading about it now. I need (laughs) need to. (laughs) So I recognize that so much and that feeling of wanting to swallow this big, fascinating world all at once. Yes. How can you, like, how do you step away from that? It's so... There are so many really interesting things and other people know them and I want to know them too. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. So yes, even this moment right now, it's stacked with books that I'm just like, okay, I'm going to read that. I got to read that too. Got to read that too. So (laughs) It's really hard. And I do... This, I'm, I've gone so far off topic at the beginning of this podcast that I'm like giving up on, on my topic already. But <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I, love it. I do feel like there is uh, something about the way neurodivergent people work, which means that actually like a, more traditional ideas of finding balance aren't really possible. You know, like we're very bad at pacing ourselves mm-hmm. and doing a measured amount of work every day. Yes. And I think instead, like the way we find balance is by throwing ourselves at something wholeheartedly until we're completely exhausted and then lying down on the ground groaning for a period of time. Yes. It's it's almost like we're forced to work in that way. There doesn't seem to be another way. Yes. Yeah. And I have no idea what that is, you know, but I can absolutely relate. And one Mm. thing I do try to do is, I don't know, I try to find my, and it might sound kind of cliche saying it, but just considering your wonderful work. I feel like I can talk about this here. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the space for this. (laughs) Yes. Um, Of just trying to find the, like find my way in nature, if you will. Like just trying to understand. It's like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to figure this out with words. Like maybe there are no words to figure out how to be here in the best possible way. And maybe Mm -hmm. what I should do is just go outside if I can for a few minutes and just, or even just look outside because I'm very sensitive to weather. Like it's Mm, right now, I just feel like it should be slightly warmer than it is. (laughs) It's freezing this year. I don't know know if it's the same for you, but it's so cold here this year. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, this is- I thought I was just getting old. I was like, this is messing up my whole thing. Like I I tried this morning, I I got a cup of coffee and I was like, I'm going to go outside even though I have- papers do and stuff. I'm like, I'm going to go get fresh air. And I I am not exaggerating. <laughs> I lasted 30 seconds. I was like, I can't. <laughs> this is not the temperature I was anticipating. So back indoors I go. Well, if, you're, if you're from the South, you're used to heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I'm back inside. So yeah. Why did I say all that? Oh yeah. I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I do try to just, right now I'm in a spot of like, okay, let's just go beyond the words. And Sometimes I'll just yeah. look out the window and watch the trees blowing and and just think, what about me and my existence and the way that I am is similar to that? And how when the wind blows, the leaves rustle and they and shimmer in the light. And then when the when the wind comes, they kind of settle back mm. into place. And then when the wind comes again, like when the wind goes, when it comes and, and just kind of thinking about that, I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever get to the words of what that is beyond what I just said. 
Yeah. And I'm like, maybe that's okay. I so relate to that. And I think so much of my work is like, even though I use words, which seems like a crazy thing to do in, in the context of this, but I feel like I'm trying to reach a place past the words and into... Yes something that's actually really inexpressible. Mm-hmm. Oh, your work absolutely does that <laughs> for me. <laughs> like I I just, I feel when I'm reading your words there, I use this word a lot, but one, I feel like they're invitations. They're invitations right. into that wordless space for me. And mm. I truly think like, had I not known your story, had I not known you were autistic, I probably still would have felt that way because oh, yeah. I, yeah. I saw- it's there. I, yeah, I just see. I'm really interested in that. It's like our, our the way that we use words. It's it's like we recognize that there's more than words. Words have their place, yeah. but then there's space beyond them. Oh, I'm gonna be thinking about that for a yeah. while. I like <laughs> really like thinking about that. Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, even autistic people who aren't non-speaking have mm-hmm. that relationship with not speaking. I think. Yeah, and also it's really common for us to have a relationship with speaking in a way that others consider too much, mm-hmm. you know, like there's there's a very um, particular relationship with voice that sometimes we can't stop. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just don't want to at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, whichever way it is, it's perceived as kind of unbalanced. But again, it's like a, it's a peculiar way that I think we find our balance almost. It's, it's by extremes. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is absolutely, hmm. that's actually how I feel about color and shapes and abstractions and the things that end up getting called art. (laughs) So one of my biggest realizations, which has been the hardest to communicate, (laughs) funny enough, (laughs) in being in, in finding out I was autistic and realizing that was that for me, I think I'm theorizing here, but I'm I'm leaning more toward no, I think this is what it it is. (laughs) I think the reason why I'm an artist, visual artist, and, and a music artist too, is largely because I live in a world that really prioritizes other ways of communicating over what's natural for right. me. That's so interesting. So you've you've kind of burst out sideways almost, yeah. Yeah, colors and shapes. Abstraction is always how I've thought, how I've experienced things, even the way, like I'll have a memory of something that happened years ago. And it could be something small, like we're sitting in a restaurant, or it could be, oh, that was the day mm-hmm. that person told you that thing, or that one thing happened yeah. on the news. It could be anywhere on the spectrum of events that one could have a reaction to. <laughs> and of how meaningful they seem to be. Yeah, yeah. And I'll recall them in like these layers that are very abstract and kind of separate from one another. So like I'll have a, a memory of like sitting at like, like at a bistro outside of a restaurant and like the mm. sky is pulled away separately from the table and I kind of like feel them pulling apart. And as they mm. do, if I kind of fix my mind on the table, I can hear the clanking of the glasses. I can hear, you know, the bee that was floating around. It's very hard to explain, but that's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking yeah. about when I'm, how I'm thinking about things when I'm making art. So yeah. I'm like, is it art or is just this the way that I, that I think? Well, you're you're trying I'm, to express like a specific mode of perception yes. that is, is how you experience the world, but which you don't necessarily see mm-hmm. in mainstream culture, exactly. right? So 
you know, you're struggling to express it because actually there's not not a lot out there that says this is really meaningful to, and yes. I know exactly the kind of immersive memory you're talking about that feels so particular and so special and so important mm-hmm. and yet kind of insignificant. Like it's about the intensity of feeling that you experience in that moment rather than the actual thing that happened. Yes. Yes. Or the, the importance, the external importance of the thing that happened, I suppose. I'd yes. Say. That word intensity that you just said, that's it. It's I it, intensity is it. I feel it with intensity and it feels very big, even for the smallest thing. So right. it makes really cool art. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I will say that I'm very, yeah, I'm very proud of my art that I made. And at the same time, it can be challenging because I don't I wonder if you've ever had this experience in some way of where like I'll get these points where I'll start to communicate in my way. And I'm just right. like, whatever, I'm just going for it. I'm like, you're just you're just <laughs> going to have to just follow me. And I cannot do it in that whole structure of the other way. I, I can't do it. It's just going to come out. It's going to come out out of order. It's it's going to come out the way I speak, the way I think about it. And then yeah. I'll, I'll have someone say, okay, but can you say that like less poetic or less metaphorically? I'm like, those weren't metaphors. I'm like, nope. I'm like no, I, I was actually talking about the intensity of the sun and how hot the sun felt. And yeah. when I'm writing about light, I'm talking about the sun. <laughs> not, it's yeah. not just poetic. I'm like, every no. day... If I'm outside and the sun is shining, I'm like, oh, there's the sun and it's found me. Mm. I feel it. I feel it. I feel the heat of that. That's that's not just poetic yeah. language for me. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'm trying to, you know, if I express it in the way that I've processed it, loads of people won't understand what yes. I'm talking about. And, yes. and I know I won't be using kind of conventional language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do often think that the reason I get away with being a writer is because I just am expressing my perception and that comes across as original. <laughs> I'm, not sure. I'm not sure if that's yes. like the same, you know, like I don't, I'm just emptying the inside of my head, really. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that visual. I'll have to find the sketch and send it to you. I started oh, working yeah, on a piece that. that I can't finish it, but I think you'll, you'll appreciate the sketch. I, it's this <laughs> little stick figure that's sitting there with an ink pen and the top of their head is open and it's just like spaghetti, like chaos just coming out before them onto the page. It's not illustrated very well. It's very hard for me, at least it's very hard to illustrate, (laughs) but I was like, I'll just keep the sketch as, as a reminder of like, yeah, Yeah. this, this is what it feels like. (laughs) I can feel it already. I know exactly the quality (laughs) of experience. But I mean, what we're pointing to is that you you are so accomplished in so many different ways. You know, you're a beautiful writer, you're an illustrator, you're a musician, and you you have this presence everywhere. Like you, you know, you come off as incredibly energetic and like all of it being integrated, you know, and that makes me kind of envious really, because you have all these different modes of expression that oh. you can deploy to, to, <laughs> to say what you need to say. Like what comes first, you know, because you're, I mean, when I look at your Instagram feed, for example, that's probably where most people see your work most immediately. Mm-hmm. The words and the images and the the messaging, the kind of overall arc of what you're trying to explain to the world 
are all kind of tangled together in a really beautiful way. Do they land in your head in that entangled way? Or do you do one part of it first and then respond to the other with a different part of your craft? Yeah, that's such a good question. It's interesting. and And I really appreciate you saying that because... Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes <laughs> I have a hard time seeing the beauty in it. And I know that may sound like a lot to say. It's like, well, you make art with colors and all that. How do you not see? But for me, it's, it is very hard to appreciate it in a way at times because it does come in so chaotically, if that makes sense. Like right. it, it yeah. comes, yeah. it feels like it's coming toward me in a way. <laughs> mm. And like I will have some days where I I think I wake up and I'm thinking about how much it bothers me that the curtain in the bedroom is so sheer, but I mm-hmm. don't want yeah. a, because I'm like, sometimes I just want darkness in here. But at the same time, <laughs> I really like the texture of the fabric and the way that it looks when the sun is coming mm. through it. So I'm like, if I get rid of the curtain, then I'm going to lose that. And I'll spend forever <laughs> thinking about that when I when I have like actual stuff <laughs> on the calendar that I need to do. And I'll just like lie in bed for five minutes and just stare at that and think about that. And, <laughs> solve that problem. <laughs> and I cannot get rid of it. So what I do is <laughs> I try to kind of like trick myself into, well, maybe I need to talk about it somewhere <laughs> so I can get it right. out. And and I bring that into the art part. So I'm like, okay, there's something mm. about translucence and I'm really into. So I'll like just start painting something translucent. And I may not even finish the piece, but I'll just kind of see that as my way of like, this is me talking it out because there's just so much of that yeah. in my head Sometimes it makes it hard to focus. But to answer your question in a more direct way <laughs> that you asked. No, that's fine. I completely I will say that, that the word <laughs> things, the words <laughs> probably come the closest to the last. So mm. I have such rare moments of the words coming in in this very, you know, sentence-like way or even poem-like way that I can remember them. Like I had one, I wrote a song, this was 10 years ago, and I heard the words first and I remember exactly where I was standing in the kitchen. Like (laughs) I was two steps before the coffee maker when that came to me. Like that is how right. rare that is. I was like, yeah, are these yeah, yeah. It was a really particular words? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> what is you mean this? I can write it down? I don't have to go sing it. I don't have to go color it. I can just go write it down. Wow. So so yeah, it's yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I'm reading your work, I'm like, oh, I need more words. <laughs> like I want yeah, I want yeah. more of these. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if if putting the words to it makes it easier for other people to process rather than you as oh, well. Like yes. if that's like a, yes. an opening for you. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, such a, that that's sense. such a, the way you just said that, <laughs> I needed that. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> what it is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if I wasn't more conscious of my audience, my writing would all be about trying to pin down particular feelings that are really unpin-downable and it would be quite floaty and unanchored, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm now like, "Mm, other people have to make sense of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that's, yeah, the the whole, what you just said about other people having to make sense of it. That's very well said. I think that's why I, because I do want to communicate and do want to share and 
even outside of you know my my public artist life, like just in in personal life, I send if I'm if I'm texting someone, I'm sending mm-hmm. lots of pictures. I'm sending graphs. Like if someone's right. if someone's coming in my house, I know other people don't need it, but I I'll just I'll just do it. I'll go out inside and show them this is what the mailbox looks like. It's kind of hard to find the street. Yeah, <laughs> ring yeah. the doorbell here. So I'm that's, sending pictures. And that's really I'm sensible, sending... <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I know if somebody sends me a wall of text of instructions somewhere, I'm like, I'm not remembering that. I'm sorry. Like mm. these pictures, you know, go over the bridge. What kind of bridge? Is it like an almost foot bridge or is it like an industrial <laughs> city bridge? I need to know these things. I, <laughs> so I think we can all agree that instructions in words are awful. Like why? Why would you put that in words? Yes. And why in a paragraph like at least make it a list for me with numbers yeah I don't yeah I I can't do do Uh, all that (laughs) yeah no I can't I can't convert like words into a picture I just Mm -hmm. I I find it very hard to picture things and so yeah I can't make that translation I get a lot of pictures with the word yeah 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 We'll return to the episode in just a moment, but How We Live Now is part of a community and I wanted to recommend another podcast that I think you'll love. Hi, we're the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And we became friends through our mutual love of reading. And soon after launched a podcast that's now entering its seventh year. We talk about the books we're reading, have read, and hope to read. And share biblio adventures of our literary explorations throughout New England, here in the United States, or wherever our travels take us. We regularly interview authors and others in the world of books, and host quarterly read-alongs with our listeners. A new episode drops every other Tuesday. After six years, there's a big backlist you can dip into or jump right in with our most current episode. Find us on your favorite podcast app or stream directly from our website, bookcougars.com. That's B-O-O-K-C-O-U-G-A-R-S.com. Happy listening and reading. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is all making me think of the beginning of You're Only Just Beginning, which is your newest book, where you you, you give us this image of your son building a train, a wooden train track yes. through the house. And the way that, for me, I don't know, it downloaded a whole lot of stuff because 
my son loved to play with his wooden train track mm. when he was younger. So for a start, I completely recognised yeah. it. <laughs> and it surprised me how he played with it because I thought that if you built a train track, you built the track quite quickly mm. and then the whole thing was running the trains over it. Yeah. But for him, the, the thing was definitely building the train track. Mm-hmm. And I realised after a while that that was a narrative in itself for him, mm. like the, the way that the track was built. Mm. and the way that it inhabited the space Mm -hmm. in the room. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly thought about how children's play enchants our spaces, like Mm. how it creates these beautiful stories that weave their way around our houses that it's really tempting to see as mess, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) But actually it's it's a mode of communication when we do that and and they're kind of making the space theirs and they're creating a, a story in it even if that story isn't a readable story, like a story that we would recognise as a story immediately. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is, oh, that resonates with me so much the way that <laughs> you you said that because I've been learning so much just watching my son because, yeah, with his train tracks, he doesn't have, I had a very similar, similar to what you just said, it's I remember Mm. thinking, I think he might like some train tracks. And oh, well, yeah, he loves them. (laughs) They love a train track. Everything. (laughs) But I I kind of had the, I was like, okay, yes, you're going to build a track and then the trains will go on it. But it's it's more of that process of finding the way, finding the way through his own version of a story Mm. and creating his own patterns and its own rhythms. And in just laying that foundation over and over and over again of like, yes, I want to lay it down this way and I want to lay it down that way and and not make it so much about like, but it's got to be in a way that the <laughs> that I can then get the train yeah. on it and then go. Sometimes that train, it's not even necessarily a part of <laughs> the scenario. No. It's just more about what no. can I do with these tracks? And I was just so fascinated by watching that. It it just reminded me of my own childhood and that was my approach. I would just collect sticks and I didn't know why. Yeah. And grownups would ask me, what are you going to do with these sticks? And and rocks. Like I was convinced that every little like asphalt um, rock was secretly a gem, like, and I, I was going to be the one oh, to discover yeah. that. And it is, yes. it is, it totally is. <laughs> so it's I, true. I would just collect them, <laughs> and I would have grownups like immediately try to attach it to. Oh, do you want to be this swing girl? Oh, like I don't know. Like I just like collecting <laughs> sticks, especially that the is sticks. Not the thing because, and, yeah. and I'm still trying. I, I still don't know why. I was collecting that those sticks. But now mm. when I look at my poetry and I look at the way that I write and the, and the way that I write stories, I see, oh, I'm collecting. I'm bringing these things in and not pressuring myself to always know what to do with them. And that's yeah. especially important in a world where there's so much input and you do have to have, according to social standards, something to say mm. or something to do with it. And yeah. for an autistic person, that can be as simple as someone speaks to you at the the grocery store, people expect an immediate response. Whereas yeah. for me... You're not allowed to go think about it for exactly, a while. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas for me, naturally, yeah. for me, naturally, if I weren't just thinking about all the social everything, if someone just approached me like that, it would take me much longer in my natural rhythm mm. to actually 
process what they said and then respond. So it's in that way, it's that placing of the train track of like, I actually don't know where this is going to lead. I actually don't know where it's Mm -hmm. that, that, that placing of the, the sticks that I've collected on my, on my table for no reason other than just, I did. It creates more space in this world that makes that very hard to do in so many other settings. Yeah. I mean, it it seems to me that, you know, that the placing of sticks, that the reordering of things, that the gathering of things is a way of kind of creating a symbolic structure to thinking, Mm. whatever that is. Yes. And when I run retreats, I always begin by getting people to go out and gather stuff. Because people just love to do it. Like it's so soothing to go and gather because you... You know, there's choosing involved. You get to select the thing you gather for a start. Like you get to say, oh, that's a really pretty stone. I really want that stone in my pocket. And there's the tactile element to it that it's satisfying in your hand and it's somatic, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, actually stone above everything else because it's so heavy. is so soothing to have that weighing in your palm. And then if you ask people to explain something while they're handling the thing they gathered... (laughs) It transforms their thinking every time and it it makes it so much easier to express and to go deep, Mm -hmm. to go deep really quickly. And I always start with gathering. And it occurred to me while you were talking that we are really comfortable as a society with people gathering if that stuff is valuable. But we get really itchy about gathering worthless. And I'm oh, doing big scare quotes oh in the goodness. air that don't yes. come across on a, a podcast. <laughs> like worthless objects. But actually there's different value to gathering things like stones and sticks and leaves and shells and bird nests and feathers. <laughs> like there's something about that that's intrinsically soothing. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> and it is... Wow. So I'm I have to find a way to sneak into one of your retreats now. So <laughs> you're very welcome. Like, <laughs> I want to gather. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um but yeah, that's it's very fascinating the the gathering and the collecting and in a way that it is not it's like, well, what's the purpose of it? It's like I, I don't know, I can't tell you. It made me think yeah. about an experience. But it hasn't got words. Yeah, it hasn't got exactly. words Exactly. It. it made me think yeah. about an experience I've had on, it's, it happened, I, I used to fly way more than I do, but this, this is years ago when this mm-hmm. happened. But I remember, so when, when I do have to write, I overwrite. So <laughs> I'm just like, every word <laughs> that I can possibly come up with that has ever been a word that I've ever thought, I'm going to get it on this page. So one thing I would do... <laughs> is if I was on a flight, I'm like, all right, no distractions. I'm going to write. So I would open up and, I, and I've always, I should also say, I've always written. Like I've kept, I've mm-hmm. kept a journal or diary since I was eight years old. So I've always oh, written, wow. but if you read them, yeah. they do not follow like a, <laughs> like a here's what happened this <laughs> way. I, I have an actual diary from like age 10 where I cut off a lock of my hair and I taped it on the inside and I dedicated about three pages to talking about hair, knowing nothing about. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I, so I don't know. Don't know why I did that. So anyway, I, I do write. But <laughs> That's, I, why would you not? Like, collect your hair. <laughs> I just have all these moments when I look back. It's like, how did you not know? Like, how do you know? Like, now I know. You know, I know that I'm autistic. But I'm like, there's so many different. I was just constantly looking for my way. Like, what is my way of communicating? Yeah. 
But do you know what? That just means that no one in your family freaked out about it and dragged you to a doctor. They yeah, were just like, okay, she's storing her that hair. Is that's fine. Very true. <laughs> that is such a good way of thinking about it. And yes, there is absolutely <laughs> some neurodiversity in my family. So I, I must say I was grateful yeah. for I am grateful for that because there was there was a lot there. <laughs> me me yeah, as a kid. Yeah. So yes, what I was sorry, I interrupted. No, you. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that though. I'm like, I'm <laughs> I'm getting so much from talking talking to you. I appreciate it. I, I, I'm like, so let me, yeah, get, remember what I was trying to say. Sorry about that. But yeah, sorry. My fault. But yeah, no, I, I love it. But I was on a flight and this happened a few times where I was trying to write and I was just like, I have no distractions. I'm going to write, but I wasn't because mm. that's not really how I think in terms of like, let me jot down a few notes. I'm just like, Kind of just very freehand stream of consciousness, just writing numerous Mm -hmm. times, getting off the flight after I had someone walked up to me and say, what were you writing? What were you writing? I hate it when people do that. What were you writing? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And people were kind of freaked out about that. Why would it be any of their business? Like, why on earth would I tell (laughs) you, stranger? Like numerous times, different, different flights. And it just got me thinking about how I'm like, wow, we really, you know, I don't know what it was like in ancient times, but I'm like, whatever this current version of <laughs> the world that it is, yeah. it's like, we, it's, it's kind of interesting to me that it's such a novel thing to see a grown up do something like that. And mm-hmm. it's not like I was singing, you know, where everyone could hear. I was just, sitting in my own chair, just writing in a journal. <laughs> so, But people find yeah. it quite disturbing when you do mm-hmm. it, I think. Or, or mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. find it quite disturbing, like they're unsettled by it. I I think I've talked about this before, but I had it once in a museum where I, I'd looked at the exhibition and I'd sat at the side on a bench and just started to write some things down, like some, mm-hmm. some stuff that was buzzing around my mind from seeing that fascinating material. Yeah. And the museum guard came up to me and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> And I was like, I'm taking notes. And he was like, well, what about? And I was like, what does it matter? Like, there is no way in which this is threatening. But he was, and after a while, it kind of, he did stop kind of pretending that he was asking as a museum guard and just admitted that he was just curious and he didn't often see people do it. And he was, and you could, but you could tell he was a little unsettled. Yeah. And I was unsettled by the attention because it felt like I was doing a private thing that I should be allowed to just do. (laughs) But But like... I mean, why aren't more people sitting at the side of museums yeah. writing stuff down? Like, it seems like a really natural response to that environment to me. It's full of interesting things. I'm going to capture it. Yeah, that's, oh, exactly. And I, oh, it's, I just love that, that you, I mean, I don't love that you had that experience because you shouldn't have had that experience. But I guess for me, I love to know I'm not alone. Like, it just helps to know, like, no. okay, so I'm not the only one experiencing yeah, yeah, this. Happens. And one thing I, I have thought about that I, I've shared a few times that that when it comes to the writing, because there, I do, for instance, I'm writing these two papers right now. Like I do have to, and they yeah, are for grades. Yeah. Like I do have to get the things into words. But what mm. helps me get there is by first carving out that space for me to be able to do it in my own way first. So even when I'm writing a research paper, I'm like, let me just dedicate a few pages to just just writing about all the ways that is interesting to me and not worrying about the structure, not worrying about how much of this ties into my larger thesis right away. There's this this one guy who did some cool stuff with computers. I won't bore everybody with it, but his name is Ben Leposky. (laughs) And I'm just really into (laughs) what Ben did because Ben was not about a final product. And he would just, he learned how to make these 
really amazing images in, I think, the 50s on a computer screen, but he wasn't even saving them. He was just like, I just like looking at them. And I've just been so fascinated about his work. And I knew like, okay, all of that's not going to make it into this 8,000 word paper that I'm writing. But I'm like, I want to talk about it first for me. And I'm going to carve out that time for myself and allow myself to do that because I think that's important. And when it comes to writing, I do think it's very interesting. And, 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 you know, I don't, I mean, at least here in the US, this is what it's like where, you know, in school, that's kind of the main place where you're learning to write. And it kind of becomes one of the places where a lot of people are writing long form, the only time. So a lot yeah. of us are are yeah. getting exposed to writing and writing becomes mm. something that is always graded. And I wonder if that oh, has some yes. kind of effect on, there's probably more people out there who would like to just grab a journal and just go for it. But it's like, if the only time where you even had a composition book Mm. was in a classroom and was... And people were going to see it. Yes. The whole concept of buying school supplies. Yeah. 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 And, And just, you know, I was fortunate that my mom, my mom is a writer. So she was very excited about buying my sister and I like journals and notebooks and stuff. And I think that helped, Mm -hmm. that helped me a little bit because it helped me not always associate writing with classroom structure. Like my mom would just, she just loves like, oh, look at this gold journal. Isn't it amazing? And like, she would just, like whatever (laughs) me and my sister were interested in at the time, she would find a journal for it. So I have like, I like a journal with like cameras on it. And she's like, you like cameras? Here's a camera journal. So I have- (laughs) Your mom sounds amazing. (laughs) So we both have, like my sister was like really into like bunnies at one time. So she would get bunnies. So we have all these like (laughs) journals and notebooks and ink pens. And my mom loves that kind of stuff. So- I think right. that that played a huge role in me seeing that, oh, writing can be fun. It can be, you know, something exciting. Yeah. And my mom bought me this journal. Because not everyone gets to see that. Exactly. Like, actually, yes. I mean, this is why. I mean, I think what you're saying is so permission giving for loads of people. And even for me, you know, like you saying in my journal, I didn't really write journal stuff. Mm-hmm. I stuck bits of my hair yeah. in, you know. <laughs> yes. Like, actually, yes. I would say to you, I've never kept a journal because I haven't felt like I did, like, journaling mm. as it's presented to us. But I've done loads of that, like yeah. recording all the different colours of every lipstick I ever bought. Yes. And things like oh that. Like, that suddenly makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, why haven't I done that? <laughs> I want to do that Yeah, now. no, well, yeah, now you will. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> love it, love it, love it. But like, I don't love running writing workshops anymore because Mm. what I've noticed is people bring really weird energy into that room Mm. and it's not their fault, but it's because the contact they've had with the teaching of writing or learning around writing has always been about kind of competition and judgment. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to get people out of that space and into a place of actual growth and learning and an actual genuine exploration rather than performative, like writing, you know, um, and checking over their shoulder about what other people are doing. And like, I'm really... I really feel people's feelings when I'm in a room with them. And I I actually can't tolerate the mm-hmm. feeling of that room anymore mm-hmm. when people are so anxious about the act of writing, which I just think is so tragic. And we do that in schools because we we grade 
people's personal expression, which I'm yeah. just not really sure oh. we should actually do. Yeah. And so I like I I will go back to teaching writing one day, but I only want to do it when I get like enough time with people to kind of calm them into the space and to set the rules. And like I when I run a workshop for another organization or something like that, I just it makes me end up feeling very uncomfortable. Yes. Oh, I, I can so relate to what you're saying. And that the energy thing is very very resonant for me because I feel that too. I've I've taught a few writing workshops and I've finished them feeling so exhausted because... Yeah, so drained, yeah. I'm trying to help guide beyond the words. guide, But it's like, if you come there for words, though, it's like, no, I need words. Not beyond the words, I need words. I'm like, (laughs) like, no, we could could actually sit here and make a collage out of an old magazine. And that's right. Like, that's the part of the process, just as much as, you know. So, yeah, that yeah, that is truly. something I, I've been thinking about more and more, even just wanting to share what I've been learning in this journey, you know, of writing, of just like, mm. how can I share the textures and the sounds and all these other things that inform the book, and because by the time yeah. it gets to the book, it's been so many things before that. In my book, you're only just beginning. There's so many of the the art pieces in there that were photographs from my phone first. And then right. I just zoomed in on them and found like this little color palette inside the photo. And And sometimes these photos are just like, oh, my coffee mug was shimmering in the light in this particular way. Like it's nothing, mm. <laughs> it's just an iPhone photo. Like no one would look at it more than one second. However, yeah. sometimes I'll just go, I literally go into, like I'm literally going into the photo because I'm zooming in on it to the point of pixels. And then I just start selecting yeah. colors out of it. And mm. I'm I'm just like, oh, like just these let's say 20 pixels. Because when you zoom in on that image on the iPad, like it really shows you, (laughs) oh, these are just pixels. Like we call it a digital photo, but they're they're pixels. How cool is that? So I look (laughs) at those pixels and I'm like, just these 20 pixels tell a story all on their own. And I can just expand on that. So, Mm. and eventually the words, the poetry kind of rises up out of it or sometimes it's weird I use different language sometimes I'll say it rises up out of it sometimes it I feel like it comes to me sometimes I feel like it comes out of me I don't know like I those words are they're very sneaky in how they appear so (laughs) either way it's passive isn't it it's like you don't summon the words you don't make the words yes the words arrive from one direction or another oh my goodness (laughs) yes Absolutely. That's so mm-hmm. it. And I also had to have another thing I've been unpacking too. As I start to do some genealogy, I've just recognized that, wait, it's actually relatively new in terms of like actual generations of humans in my family for us to have been speaking English in the first place. So right. I was like, maybe I'm putting too much pressure on myself to sort it yeah. all out in yeah. the English language. Because I was like, it's the only one I know. I only know English. But do other members of your family speak different languages or or does it go back further than that? Oh, I was, yeah. So I'm more so saying in terms of like, more so everybody yeah, in my immediate family, yeah, speaks English, but. Yeah. I was just wondering if there was any other languages going, I, like oh, washing around in your, yes. in your mind. I, yeah, I, I wish that there was more because mm. what I do know is just, you know, just because of, of slavery, it's just like, oh, well, there's other languages, but I don't know what they were. But I was like, that's not that far right. back. 
because I believe it was my great great grandfather was born a slave and died free. So I'm like, that's just so close. Yeah. So I was like, that's not that long ago. So to me, (sighs) thinking about language, I'm just like, well, you know, obviously the English language has changed too. So I'm like, language changes so much. It probably wasn't even English that long ago in my family. So I'm like, yeah, it's that that passive part that you said really spoke to me because I'm like, yeah, I. I, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to let it be this thing that that I have this very interesting relationship with. And of course, it's even more complicated yeah. being autistic. But it's like, I'm going to yeah. just let it be. <laughs> let it be. And just yeah. let them let them come as they come. Let it come. Yeah. yeah. And let it be receptive and let it arrive. Yeah. And the training comes in learning to be receptive rather than learning to make the work for me yes. anyway. But that makes me think of the bit in your book, in the section on the sea, because you you kind of take these elements that are are quite everyday and transform them into different meanings and and different movements within the book. But there's a beautiful bit where, and I wrote this quote down, you talk about the dream of my ancestors who were not meant to survive in, in the context of the ocean and the idea of the ocean as a space where people were, were lost Mm -hmm. and, and, there's that kind of association with unfathomable depths, both of like meaning and emotion and of, of the sea in which which people were were thrown in. Yes. Yeah, that's mm. that that line is probably the most important line to me in the book. So it just means so much that that, that stood out to mm. you because Oh, it really did. Yeah. It it helped me finally get at the words of what I what I feel so heavy when I mm. look at something in nature, such as the water. And yeah. for me, it is this deeply complex thing because it's, yes, I, I love the blueness of the water and it calms me and I turn on my ocean sounds to try to go to sleep. Mm. <laughs> and at the same mm. time, it's this deeply complex thing where it's yeah. like, I know that there are stories there, stories that I that I may not even actually want to even know. You know, if, if I if I knew them, it would it would break me. So mm. trying to bring all of that into the form of words in a poem is very difficult for me because it's yeah. it's a it's a space of peace and chaos of joy and suffering in terms of mm. my relationship with it. So that's very hard to put in a poem that can help other people connect with it. So. I can honestly say that I worked it out through the color blue. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like the color blue was my entry point. I knew when I started to map out the book, which is very hard for me to do. I don't, I don't really plan things out very well, like naturally. Like, here's my plan, <laughs> but. Yeah, no, as as you plans. know, working with editors, <laughs> it's like, okay, where's your out, like an outline, like. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was like, I, I literally, the whole book, my outline was colors. <laughs> I was right. like, there's something wow. blue here. It was blue before. I knew I knew the butterflies first. So the butterflies are at the end of the book. I knew that was like the homecoming because that was the impetus mm. for the whole book. Monarch butterflies just sent me on this yeah. wild journey of, oh, Anyway, back to the yeah, blue. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, that was, I was like, there's something blue here and I don't know what it is. And that's mm. when it became blue. Oh, it's the ocean. Oh, it's this. And it's that. It's going deeper, but the tension of going deeper, it's going deeper, but the struggle of knowing yeah. what happened here also. So that was the, the, the way that I, I, I got there. 
And it was definitely mm-hmm. like a, a moment of, okay, yeah, that actually did get it what I was trying to say. Well, in, in a kind of weird way, that little bit made me feel strangely optimistic because mm. yeah. like you're writing this fundamentally inspirational book, you know, yeah. that leads people into their future and gives them all these positive ways to model their journey and, and the idea of adventure coming through. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? I love it that we can no longer divorce that from the history yes. that, that has caused such suffering. I love that that is now integrated and that you can, that you're able, that you have permission to do that. It's so important that you're mm. able to to do that. And I, I kind of thought, I'm so grateful to see this in here. Mm. Thank you for saying that. Because that that is how I've been feeling more and more in that I want to bring that forth. I want to bring, mm. and it takes great courage to do that just because as we, as we all know, the internet in particular, mm. just anybody, anybody can tell you <laughs> yes. anything about anything and they will uh-huh. let you know, they will and find they a way to tell you. <laughs> so a lot uh-huh. of times I, I do hold back with certain things, not because I'm like, oh, I'm so afraid to like say what I actually, it's, it's just, oh, I have to now manage mm. all of the, you know, comments or questions that yeah. will come as a All of which are completely predictable as well. Like the worst yeah. part of that is you know exactly what those comments exactly. are going to be and they're going to come anywhere exactly. and you can't stop them. Oh my goodness. So yeah. yeah, it's I've been working on that in myself of just figuring out, well, how, how can I tell my story? And especially just the more I realize post-diagnosis even of, of just how can I share mm. more of this in a way that that I don't feel pressure to either make it either way more serious or more joyful. How can I tell yeah. both at the same time? And as it is. Yeah, it's in in one in one way it's hard to do, but then in another way it's like, well, that's what life is. Like life is joy and suffering. It's not like like a 50-50 like, okay, today's a joy day or, you know, it's it's very mm. complicated. To, to live with that tension. All of it knitted together. So yeah, I'm trying yeah, to trying to bring time. that more forth with, with the words and and just kind of really thinking about that. Uh, Morgan, it's probably a great place for us to end because that's such a beautiful thought. And it, it takes us back to that idea of everything being intertwined, yeah. you know, with purpose and meaning and adventure and desire and grief and sadness and all of life yes. mixed in together. Yes. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful conversation. Thank <laughs> we'll make you. sure that there are really good links so everyone can find you. Thank you as well. I was looking forward to chatting with you today and this is just such an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And I've got to climb a hill now, so I think I might leave you so that I don't heavy breathe at you for 10 minutes. <laughs> take lots of care of yourself. Find a way to take a rest. Check in. And I'll see you really soon. Bye. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for being here to explore how we live now. This podcast is presented by Catherine May, produced by Megan Hutchins and Buddy Peace, with social media by Sarah Horner 
and communications by Becca Pierce. Buddy Peace also composed the wonderful incidental music. And finally, if you enjoyed my podcast, please consider buying my new book, Enchantment. There's a link in the show notes. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.